0: Well, I welcome you again as we take a look at our Sunday School lesson. Uh, time is marching on. Sometimes it seems a little slow with everything that's going on. And yet at the same time, it moves at the same pace. And I hope that you are enjoying these days and knowing that God wouldn't have you in these days if it were not for a purpose. And so uh, let's find the purpose of God and uh, let's glorify Him in everything that we do. Uh, we're looking in the book of Haggai, so if you'll go ahead and turn in your Bibles to that little book, and um, we are in chapter 1, and we're going to begin down in verse 12. So I'll give you a little bit of time to find that, and let's just remind ourselves that up to this point, the remnant has done, um, you know, what they are able to do or at least what they think they're able to do the foundation of the temple as you know has been laid but it's been sitting there for 16 years and as we read earlier in previous verses it's it's just like people were saying you know it's not the right time not a good time we don't have the resources we don't have the energy we don't have the money those kind of things Um, there's always a reason not to do what's right uh, the old saying, all that's necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Well, that's really true. And why is it that good people do nothing sometimes? Well, because there's always something else to do. There's always a better time, a better situation. And uh, that's what had been happening here, except now it's gone on for 16 years. There's a mountain of rubble there at the temple. It seems insurmountable. And sometimes... If you don't, um, to use a cliche, strike while the iron is hot. If you don't do that, sometimes you lose momentum and you lose enthusiasm. You lose energy and you uh, don't get things done. You kind of know how that is. There are those times when you're really motivated. When they laid the foundation of the temple, they were really motivated. But, you know, when they didn't keep it going, when they didn't continue doing it, When they took a break to go do something else, it made it harder to get back onto the work of the Lord at the temple. And one day leads to another. One thing leads to another. There's always going to be a better situation. And so what happens? 16 years. Now, um, I find it, to me, it's a a blessing to read what God's Word is to these people. Let's uh, look in verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and... Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. That's kind of refreshing, isn't it? And the people feared the presence of the Lord. That's a missing element in so many people's lives. Verse 13 then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying... Now, here's the word from God. Direct quote. I am with you, says the Lord. Isn't that nice? What, what a great blessing that must have been to them. I'm not against you. I'm not on the sideline waiting. I'm not somewhere off, far off waiting for you to do something that's worthy of my attention... The Lord is saying here to this little remnant of people building this temple that's not going to be anything like what Solomon had built, but nonetheless, they're building it. And the Lord says, I'm with you. That's his approval. That's his blessing upon all of this. Verse 14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, but I like this. He didn't stop there. And the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. Well, that's a. Inspiring to me, an inspiring passage of scripture because sometimes you get tired, sometimes you're not motivated, sometimes it seems like you're pulling all the weight yourself. I mean, that, that had to have been the way that um, Zerubbabel and uh, you know, these others had uh, felt about all of this. I, I would do it, but man, what I do is just so little, so small, so piddly. There was a story one time back in the days. When people used coal to heat their houses and they would uh, order coal for the winter and the coal truck would come and dump it out. And in London there was a house where they had a big pile of coal for the winter dumped out and uh, they would have a coal chute where it would, uh, they would shovel it down the chute, put it in the basement where it's closer to the furnace. And this little girl goes out there with a little bitty shovel and a little bitty bucket and uh, this big mountain of coal. And she takes one lump of coal in the uh, shovel, puts it in the bucket, and it would only hold maybe two. And then she'd take it to the chute and dump it down. And somebody said, oh, little girl, you're never going to get that moved. And she goes, oh, yes, I will if I work long enough. And that's kind of the way things are. Many times it's the small things over a long period of time. That get things done. Focused intensity over time. It may not seem like much now. But if you keep after it. And you keep after it. But let's admit something. While we all know that's true. And while we greatly admire the persistence of someone. Who would do that. Very few of us actually do. That's why it's hard to lose weight. That's why it's hard to get in shape. Could we go on and on with examples. And so uh Zerubbabel. Would have, uh, he, he would know what needed to be done, but every time he would walk out there to the spot where the temple was and he would see all the rubble that needed to be moved and he would see all the work that needed to be done and he might work for 8, 9, 10 hours and, and sweat and toil. And when he got through, he couldn't tell that he had done anything. No one else could tell that he had done anything. And it just seemed like an overwhelming task. And that's why it says, as we've referenced before, I know, in the book of Zechariah, that famous verse, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What was he talking about? Moving that mountain of rubble, clearing it out, and getting the temple built. Well, what we find in the verses we just read is the literal fulfillment of that. You'll notice that the people getting to work and getting things done happened because they had a word from God. I'm with you. I'm with you. This is worth it. This has my attention. This has my approval. This has my blessing. And then also it's because their spirit was stirred up within them. To have your spirit stirred up means that it's not just settled and dull and monotonous, but to be stirred up, shaken up. They were motivated. They were empowered as they did this. And so now they're starting to get things done. Stuff is starting to happen. Now, even though it's not Solomon's temple, it's still a a pretty big undertaking for them, right? It's going to take them five years to build it. And the same thing is going to happen even when you have a large group of people working. When you get through it's uh, you know, on a five-year project, it's going to seem kind of slow. It's going to kind of drag. And there are those times when they wonder, is it worth it? Or do we have to do it again today? Or uh, why can't I see any progress being made? When are we going to have this thing finished? But if you hang in there and keep on going and persevere and refuse to give up, you're going to get some things done. And this is exactly what God was doing in their lives. So let's think about this. What made this happen, at least to this point? And the first thing that we find in these verses is just simple obedience. I don't know uh, about you, but as a parent, when my kids were little, I really valued and prized obedience. Didn't matter if it was a big thing or not. If uh, one of my kids would get into trouble and they would say, well, you know, I did a big thing two days ago, so I shouldn't have to obey you for the next month until the next big thing comes along. Do you have any idea what I would say and what I would do in that situation? You obey me all the time, whether it's big or whether it's little. And I think sometimes when it comes to God, we tend to obey Him as good Baptists in the big things. I mean, we don't commit adultery, do we? I didn't get drunk last Saturday night, and, you know, I hadn't you know beat up my wife in a long time. And we do those big things. And yet so many times, it's not only the big things God wants us to do, it's the small things. It's the little things. It's the mundane things. I think about what the Apostle Paul said when he said, Whether you eat or whether you drink, do all to the glory of God. Did you notice that? Eating and drinking, the most mundane things of life. That's what every human on the planet does. Now, there are a lot of people around the world that may not do what I do. And there are a lot of things they do that I don't do. But eating and drinking, we have that all in common. And God is saying to us, whether it's a big thing that you're doing or whether it's just every day, eating and drinking, the mundane things of life, do it all to the glory of God. And keep doing it that way. Don't do it sporadically. Don't do it only when you feel like it. Just do it. It's called obedience. The Bible says, whenever um, King Saul was going to defeat the Amalekites, or when he did defeat the Amalekites, God had told him to... Wipe out everything, the livestock, the people, the kings, everything. Well, Saul kind of thought he had a better idea. And after all, he had won the battle, so God should be happy with that, right? And so when Samuel shows up, he goes, did you obey the Lord, Saul? You know, good king. He says, oh, of course I did. And Samuel says, why is it that I am hearing the sound of sheep? And then Saul has to come up with something really quick. Well, we saved the best to sacrifice to the Lord. And uh, Saul, excuse me, um, Samuel makes the famous statement, to obey is better than sacrifice, right? We ought to get that into our minds. God wants us to obey, period. And if he can trust us with the little things, the day-to-day things, the mundane things, the little things, Over time, he'll trust us with the big things. So think about that word obedience. This is kind of where it begins. And it says that they did, they obeyed according to the voice of the Lord their God and all the words of Haggai the prophet. Uh, That's where where they are and what they're doing. So they heard and they understood. Those two things kind of have to go together. It doesn't really do any good to um, hear if you don't understand. That's part of why... God has called me to do what I do, right? That's why you teach. That's why you explain things. This is what we do. And they act upon the Lord's command as they know it and as they understand it. They don't wait until it meets their approval. They don't wait until it seems like it's worthy of their attention. They just do what God says. It's James 1.22 when he says that we are not to be just hearers of the word, right? Hearers. We are to be doers Of the word. Just obey it. God will bless that. Secondly, the word respect comes to mind. It says that the people feared the presence of the Lord. You know, uh, we have gotten way too casual about our relationship with God, His Word, church, um, holy living, all of that kind of stuff. We think about the Holy Spirit. He's kind of like a buddy. He's like a force. He's just, you know, something that makes us feel good every once in a while and does some neat things occasionally. Um, It's so much more than that. You see, uh, whenever we hear the Word of God, and even if there is a sense to where we're obeying it, sometimes we obey half-heartedly, don't we? Sometimes we obey, and we're doing it, but we don't really want to do it. We don't find any joy in doing it. There's no real power in doing it. It's just, you know, what we do. And uh, we, we do that, and uh, the message that we give to other people is serving the Lord. is just a, oh, it's a drudgery. I mean, the whole book of Malachi kind of addresses that, doesn't it? But something is different here when you have respect for someone. You do things differently. You know, if um you tell a, a kid that uh they need to clean their room, you know, well they may do it just because you're bigger than them, but they don't really have any respect for why they're doing it, and there's nothing else uh, in it. They ju- they just do it and go through the motions. However, if you were to tell them that maybe their favorite athlete or musician or movie star or somebody like that, was going to come and spend some time with them, would they do maybe a little bit better in cleaning their room? Would they be a little more enthusiastic? Would they be a little more motivated? Would they be more detailed? Would they make sure it was done right? Uh, You know the answer to that. Of course they would. And what would be the difference? It was respect. When you have someone that you respect, you tend to be a little bit more motivated by that now that respect may be i'm going to lose my job i don't want them to be disappointed or it may be and i think this is the sense as we find it here that the honor the respect that they had for the lord the love they had for the lord was something that would drive them on you know the bible tells us that we are to serve the lord and then it adds two words with gladness And so many times we can say we serve the Lord, but I heard a story one time about a man a long, long time ago went to uh, Knott's Berry Farm in California, and he said he saw the most amazing thing. He saw there uh, there were ducks, and they were all in a line, and they were crossing the street, and he noticed that they were kind of walking and looking funny. They were on roller skates. And someone said, roller skates, can they do that? And he said, yeah, but you could tell their heart wasn't in it. Well, so many times people around us, our neighbors, our friends, hey, even our own children, they may see that we are serving the Lord, we're obeying the Lord, but they can tell that our heart's not really in it. It Takes up too much time, too much money, get it over with. Let's, you know, do that kind of stuff. It's, It's not really worth our time and effort. Unless we get to the point to where the Lord means so much to us, and we have so much respect for Him that we want to do what He says, and we want to do it right, and we want to do it with joy, the Bible tells us in the Book of Romans that the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Well. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, tells us that it's love and then joy comes out of that. And so what we do, whenever we sing, it ought never be that Brother Dale has to try to pump us up to get us to sing about the God who created the universe and gave His Son for our soul. We should never have to be uh, spurred and prodded to say amen to something that is good and right or to sing or to give or any of those kind of things, right? There's a respect factor in here. And these people had great respect for the presence of the Lord. And here we are with the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And we tend to take that so for granted and get so casual about it. This gives value to the commands and to the desires and to the word of God. And so many times we think about what we want, what we need, what we desire to have. Have you ever turned that around to the Lord? Sunday morning's going to come in a few days. Have you ever prayed about church and said, Oh Lord, what do you want to hear out of the music? What do you want to hear out of the preaching? What do you want to gain out of our hearts and out of our actions? How do you want to change us so that when we leave we know that you are are pleased. That ought to be the cry of our hearts every single day. Number three, we need affirmation and encouragement. The Bible says that Haggai spoke and he gave the message of the Lord. And the message was not do better, work harder, you haven't done enough, you're lazy. Wasn't anything like that. Those things may have been true. I don't know. Um, There's usually some degree of truth in those kind of things. Uh, people say give 110%. I, you know, Most of the time we have a hard time finding 60, 70, or 80%, don't we? We can always do a little bit more, a little bit better. But notice how the Lord's words were so affirming and so encouraging. I am with you. Now, first of all, it ought to strike you that he said, I am, because that's what the Lord said to Moses when he was at the burning bush, and the Jews would have recognized that. That's why they got so upset with Jesus when he would say those famous I am statements in the book of John. They knew what he was saying and they knew what that meant. And uh, they were really ticked off about that. But here the Lord is revealing himself to them just as he had to their ancestor Moses with those words I am. And then he says not just I am, but I am with you. And here these people are, this little remnant of people that had come back from Babylon this people in this nation that's not very powerful not very prosperous it's not uh, anything that you would write home about right and yet what does the Lord say well I'm here And they might have been working and they were thinking about, oh, I wish we had a Solomon to oversee and to plan and all of his architects and all of his skilled craftsmen. And it's as if the Lord said, you may not have Solomon, you may not have his craftsmen, you may not have great and mighty numbers, you may not be any longer a big, powerful nation like you were under David or under Solomon. But here's the deal, folks. I'm with you. I'm with you. Is that enough? And I would just ask you, because you know the Scripture says that He'll never leave us or forsake us. You know enough theology to know that when you were saved, the Holy Spirit came to dwell within you and that He will not ever leave you. You know the Bible says that in the book of Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I've just got a question. Is that enough? A lot of people nowadays are kind of psychologically boosting themselves. And they're saying, I just found out that for whatever I do, raising my children, in my job, whatever, I am enough. Doesn't that sound good? Except there's something that is so much better than that. The Lord is enough. His presence is enough. And he is with us through thick and thin, through our ups and our downs, through our good and our bad. He is with us, never to leave us. And so as these people are working, I don't know what they're thinking. I'm just speculating. I think I'm putting myself in their shoes. And it would be easy for me to say, what's the point of all of this? And when we get done, it's not even going to be all that big a deal. And uh, we don't have that many people. And and where's the talent? And where's the personnel? And even when we dedicate the temple, it's going to be nothing like what Solomon did. Except the Lord whispers to us, I am. Am with you, and when you really grasp that, that's really all that matters, isn't it? Where two or three are gathered, it says, "I'm in the midst of them," and I know you need to get the context of that verse, but uh, I just want to emphasize that it doesn't take a whole lot, and it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be something like a church discipline situation, which is the context. But I'm with you. That's the key. That's the point. Whenever we gather for worship, we may not be the biggest place in town and we may not have the most talent in town or the most money in town. But here's the question, is God with us? Because if God is with us, then it's enough. Nothing else really matters. We may look at the culture in which we live and we say, how can we, as ordinary citizens, change the culture in America? Well, if that's the Lord's will, then guess what? He's with us. And we can do it because He's with us. When you have an insurmountable problem in your family and you go, How do I change my kid's heart? Hear the voice of the Lord as He whispers, I am with you. Whatever it may be, and however long it may take, however daunting it may be, and how far it may be beyond us, it's never bigger than God. I am am with you and so the Lord gives them those words of affirmation that he is with us God is not just sitting back and watching passively but he is investing in our success as we do his will he's faithful to do all that he has commanded and this all-knowing all-powerful ever-present God the one who created the stars and the galaxies he's not out there he's here And he is with us forever. You know, even when the Bible talks about the rapture, it says the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout and with the trumpet. You remember? And it says the dead will rise first and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to be with the Lord. And thus shall we always be with the Lord. That's a beautiful thing. And sometimes we long for that. Oh, I can't wait to be with the Lord. Let me just tell you something. You are. Where is the Lord? He's with you. and Everywhere you go and in anything you do, the Lord is with you. So don't long for just someday. That's going to be a wonderful event. But understand, He's with you now. You've got a task. You've got a reason for living now. Don't let anything stop you or slow you down. And number four, notice that uh, we have the word empowerment down there. The Lord stirred up the spirit. Now, I can understand him stirring up the spirit of Zerubbabel. That makes sense. He's the governor after all. You want the governor to be working. You want the governor to do things. You want the governor to be positive. You want the governor to be uplifting. You want the governor to have a vision. You want the governor to lead. Eh, I get that. And then he stirred up the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Well, that's good. Church ought to be exciting. Pastor shouldn't be down. He ought to be positive and ready to go and filled with faith. I mean, we can all say amen to that, right? But notice the next thing he did. And the spirit of all the remnant of the people. You know, God is not just a God for governors. He's not just a God for the pastors and the ministers and the staff members and the deacons and the elders and, you know, the churchy, religious-y kind of people. He's our God for all of us, the ordinary people, the people that nobody else notices. God knows our name. He has written your name. If you say, I'm just Mr. Nobody, well, guess what? Mr. Nobody is written in the Lamb's Book of Life from before the foundation of the world. He knows your name. He's called you. He's chosen you. He's gifted you. He's placed you within the body. And you think about all that he wants you to do. It may seem small now, but little is much when it's placed in the master's hand. That little boy, all he had was just the five loaves and two fishes, but he gave it to Jesus. And when Jesus blessed it, it fed 5,000 and they had 12 baskets of fragments left over. That's impossible. Well, that little boy was nothing. We don't even know his name, but God does. And God used a little boy's lunch to work a great miracle that is recorded in the eternal word of God. I wonder what he is using you for. And I wonder how many times you've gotten discouraged. You've quit. You've gotten your eyes off of Jesus. You laid down on the job. You did something else. And God is saying to you, I'm stirring up your spirit now. Sunday school teacher, I'm stirring up your spirit because one of these days, hopefully not too long, we're going to get back into the swing of teaching our classes. And you can't come in there lazy. You can't come in there lackluster. You've got to come in full of faith. You've got to come in empowered. You've got to come in with vision. You've got to come in knowing that the Lord is with you. Hey, guess what? Choir, Brother Dale is getting ready to start on Christmas music. Are you going to be there? Are you going to be doing it? And when you do it, are you going to wait on him to stir you up and inspire you? Are you going to wait to look at the music and see if it's worthy of your time? Or do you have a God who is glorified in you? And if he will stir up your spirit, your talent can be used for God. You see what I'm saying? When you start talking about going back to normal, I pray to God we don't go back to normal. I hope we're so much better than normal and so much farther ahead than we were when this whole pandemic hit. See, that's what I want, but it'll only happen one way if the Spirit of God stirs up our spirit. You know what that means? It means we have to be submissive to the will of God. And that means we're surrendered to the Holy Spirit And his power. You see, so many times we get discouraged because we try to do things for God, and God is looking and saying, I don't need anything. What I want you to do is surrender so I can work through you, and I will do it through you. Can you imagine having a choir loft full of people, and it's God singing through them? You talk about powerful. Can you imagine having an army of Sunday school teachers that are so on fire for God because God has filled them with his word, stirred up their spirit, and they are about to explode with the word of God. You know, Jeremiah said something about that. He said, I tried to shut everything up, but it was a fire in my bones. Oh, may God give us fire in our bones to do what he wants us to do because we've got some rebuilding to do and we've got to get back going again. And we've got to pick up. We can't be lazy. And it's only going to happen when the Spirit of God is stirred up within us. Oh, Father, I pray that as we look at this remnant of people and they would have been able to look and see all of their limitations, to see all of their inadequacies, to see all of the things that were against them. And what did that get them? A foundation laying dormant for 16 years. But, oh, dear Lord, when you gave them the word and reminded them that you were with them, and when they began to go to work, and when they feared you and honored you in everything that they did, you empowered them, and you stirred their spirit so that they could do everything you wanted them to do. You didn't want another Solomon's temple. You wanted them to build the temple that you empowered them to build. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do the same in us. Grant, Lord, that we might hear your word. Grant, Lord, that we might honor you and honor your word. Grant, Lord, that we might be obedient, not just hearers, not just with knowledge, but with action, putting feet to the things that we are supposed to do. And, O Lord, that we might do it in your strength and in your power for your glory because you have stirred up our spirit within us us thank you lord and that's what we ask you to do for it's in jesus name we pray and for your glory alone amen and amen thank you so much hope that fed your soul and may the lord bless you and uh, we look forward to seeing you uh, again as we go through these times, worshiping the Lord, honoring the Lord, being unified together, and ready for whatever it is that He has for us to do in His timing.